Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw. Today, I'm lucky enough to be joined by the man known as Schwinnie Poo, the host of the fantastic Pod Strickland podcast to preview RJ Barrett's season. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Our Locked On Knicks in today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. And I want to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day because that would make you an everydayer and by default one of my best friends. Um, if you want to join that exclusive club, remember to subscribe on YouTube and hit that notifications bell so you never ever miss an episode and be sure to do the same on the audio side. And then if you really want to commit to the whole friendship thing, be sure to subscribe to our subtext. You can hit the link in the episode description. And by doing so, you will receive uh, daily texts and updates with our latest thoughts on the New York Knicks postgame thoughts, pregame thoughts, in-game thoughts, and you can text us back and share your thoughts as well. Um, it is a whole lot of fun, so we hope you join that community. We're really making an effort to grow it out, but who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster, and uh, this is a really fun episode with Schwinn, who is uh, one of my favorite uh, Knicks uh, adjacent personalities. Is that is that the best way to say it? I, I don't really know exactly how to describe what he does, but he is awesome. Uh, probably single best person you can follow on Nick's Twitter in terms of entertainment, intellect, and uh, just uh, getting a whole lot of great information related to the team. So without further ado, um, we are going to dive deep on R.J. Barrett's small caveat to this episode. We recorded it on Monday, so it was before the first preseason game. Um, with that, let's get into it right now with Schwinn. All right, guys, as promised, I am joined by the, what is it, five, six-time reigning MVP of Nick's Twitter, um, the host of the fantastic Pod Strickland, uh, the one and only Schwinny Poo, to talk RJ Barrett, Schwinn, how's it going, man? Um, I'm sorry, sorry about your bills the other day. I don't, I don't mean to bring that up early in the podcast, but uh, I, that, that was all, that was all I saw on your timeline, so I had, to, I had to mention something. Yeah, I mean, it's not so much that they lost, but the injuries they got were pretty significant. So they've had like three now in the last two weeks, all of the defense and at each level of the defense. So Knicks are back, though. Uh, so that's yeah, good. who, who would have uh, thought that that would be kind of like the thing that would make <laughs> you feel better, right? That's that's something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't complain about them being back. But yeah, I'm excited, uh, excited for the season to start. Although I guess tonight's not really like the season starting, but the the the, the first, uh, you know, kind of like inkling of basketball being back. So, and and the first inkling of RJ Barrett, <laughs> at least domestically, being back in our lives. Um, he had an interesting playoffs, right? Um, and and it's so we we spent all off season talking about it. And I still don't even totally know where I fall on it because it's almost a, a Rorschach test in its own way of like, how, how do you interpret it? Right. Where, where I think if you just watch the games, you'd say, all right, like he, he was by and large awesome. Like I thought his defense was much improved. I thought his effort was really good. Um, the efficiency didn't skyrocket dramatically from the regular season, but when most guys fall off in the playoffs, it was a testament to him that it stayed the same. And, and when you do a little bit of a deeper dive on it and you see like how many free throws he got, you actually say like, all right, he actually was like considering the level of competition, like pretty dramatically more effective scoring the basketball and passing the basketball and defending. And then you look at that net rating number and you're like, all right, there was still like, like he was, he was their worst player in that capacity. And, and they really struggled when he was on the floor and you could, you could say, all right, was that on him or was that on Tibbs for playing with Josh Hart 
a whole bunch, but I, I say all that to say, like, did, did the postseason like when you, like after a few months sitting with it, does it change your opinion of him as a player at all? Or do you just kind of come away with like, all right, R RJ kind of is who RJ is. Um, I wouldn't say that it changed my opinion of him very much. Not like, not to say it was obviously, I much preferred watching what he did in the playoffs versus what I thought was pretty poor, um, regular season last year, um, for him. But I think the main thing is like seeing what he did isn't so surprising to me because I'm like, you should be able to do these things. Like there's no reason for him to be as poor defensively as he was during the regular season. There's no reason for him to be making kind of like just being like a, an inconsistent or shaky decision maker offensively to the way he was in the regular season. And then obviously to see how he played in the playoffs, that was really, really encouraging. Um, at the same time, I feel like people are going a little bit over. Like I, I, I feel like people were going a little bit overboard with how good he was in the playoffs, considering like, I don't know how to like really parse this or feel about it because I, I don't, I think it's like a kind of like a complex and not straightforward thing to evaluate, but like, <clears throat> the way I feel about it is this Julius Randall and Emmanuel quickly. I would say probably those two guys were like two, like one, they were, I guess one, two. Okay. No. So those two players were, first of all, they were extremely important to the Knicks during last season. And they were key components to them finishing third in offensive rating, which like quite frankly, before the season, I don't think anybody would have expected the Knicks to finish third in offensive rating. They're really, really important to that. And as soon as they fell apart in the playoffs, both of them offensively, um, the Knicks were literally, I think they were the worst offensive, they had the worst offensive rating in the playoffs, maybe aside from Cleveland, which, you know, obviously. Um, and so, like, that to me is, one, it's, a no, it, it's especially in Randall's case, it's discouraging given his age. Um, but, like, it kind of demonstrates how important those guys are to keeping their offense afloat. And I don't know what it says because like, obviously Brunson played great in the playoffs, but the offensive rating sucked. But like, I don't know what it says that RJ played better. And yet the offensive, like he couldn't really buoy the offense to a level that like could somewhat offset the fact that Randall and quickly play like such crap offensively. So I don't really know what that all means. Like I, yeah. it's encouraging. I think he, definitely had a stronger close to the season than he did, you know, what we saw towards the end of the regular season, especially I thought was like very concerning. Um, so for him to turn around the way he did, especially after like kind of the first two games of that Cleveland series where he wasn't particularly great, was really good to see. Um, basically played really well after that until the final game of the season, which was that game six in Miami. And to be fair to him, like really aside from Brunson, nobody played well in that game. So um I don't know. Like, I don't think it changes how I view him, but like, and I mean that either way, like I was disappointed in his regular season, but I still was like, okay, I don't think this is actually the, the true level of what he is as a player. And I think the playoffs is probably a more accurate representation of what he is at the same time. Like, I don't, I think just people should pump the brakes on like, or, I mean, not that it matters now, and I kind of feel like this conversation has died down a bit, but when we're talking about, like, just how good was he in the playoffs, I'm, like, a little bit less on the bullish side 
um, than a lot of other people are because you like if you really break down like the net rating and all that type of stuff in the playoffs and and look I I said it at the time like I think in a lot of ways some of his issues with his playoff net rating was like the lineups that Tibbs was playing him in yeah. so often with Josh Hart and like I I still believe that at the same time even if you take out like the Josh Hart RJ minutes it's not great like it's it's okay it's fine it's better yeah and. I just think like ultimately the guy is going to be, he's going to be one of their top three players in usage. He's going to be a top three offensive option. And no matter what you think or how you feel about his play and whatever, like there's just some very basic things. Like if he is going to be at that type in that role and in that level of usage, he just has to be more efficient. Like we can talk about decision-making and you know, how his defense is and blah, blah, blah. But like, if you're in that role, you've got to be a more efficient player. And I think like ultimately for him, it's like, Hey, can you get back to like, I mean, he doesn't need to shoot 40% from three again. I don't think he will, but like, can you be like a league average three point shooter? And can you just kind of cut out some of those off balance, funky fading away, like layup things he takes sometimes. And instead of, you know, can you just convert that into like a kick out to somebody for three or whatever it is? Like there are paths for him to buoy his efficiency and I think th- those are worth considering, but he has to actually do it. We can't, we can't just keep like saying, Oh, it'll happen then. Or we'll look yeah. at this 20 games. And it's like, no, like we need to have a full season of, of him being consistent. Cause we just haven't seen it yet. And like the highs are high and then the lows are like, what the hell is this guy doing? And so we really just need like, Hey, can you come in? And you know, you mentioned even playing in FIBA, like hopefully that does give him a leg up where it's like, he will have, He'll be. He should theoretically be in as good a shape as he's ever been, and entering a season. And so you've got to believe that, like, if there's a chance for him to just really hit the ground running in any given season, it's this one. Uh, also, just remember, like, preseason doesn't matter. So if he does play well in preseason, great. If he doesn't, I don't really care. It just matters to me what he does when the actual games that matter start. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it just. It's so hard with him because he's he's the definition of just like just just when I was out, he pulls you back in, and it's every single year because he gets off to these just disastrous starts to seasons, and you're sitting there and you're like, all right, I guess I guess this just isn't going to happen for him, and then he'll play well for a month, and then to your point, at the end of the regular season, like, oh god, like it doesn't look so good, and then the playoffs, like, is this moment where you're like, that's my guy, that's who I've been invested in for four or five years, and and I've been pouring my heart and soul into, and so much of the conversation and the expectations around him, like, it's impossible to escape the fact that he was the number one high school recruit, that he was the number three pick in the draft, and it's almost like we kind of have to reassess at this point four seasons in and say he kind of is who he is, and so much of his effectiveness to your point is dictated by who else is on the floor. Like I went back and looked and like in the, like when he was, when it was him, Hart and Brunson on the floor in the playoffs, they had, they uh, scored 110.6 points per hundred possessions. They gave up 124 points per hundred possessions. So they were, they were terrible with those lives, but then you, you just switch out Hart for Grimes in those lineups. And all of a sudden they had a plus eight net rating and it looked pretty good. And, and it's just kind of tilting the levers of his games. Like, all right, can you, to your point, can you cut out two or three bad shots at the rim? Can you hit, one more three a game which is a lot can you hit maybe even like half a three like one 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 more three every two games or so and like he becomes a much more effective player it's just who does he I, I really think like how he sees himself and and sometimes for guys with those types of expectations coming into the league it takes right like six, seven, eight years for them to be like all right I might just not be that dude I might not be that perennial all-star and for RJ 
sometimes it's for better. Like we saw with team Canada where he hit the dagger against team USA. I think if he thought of himself like, all right, you know what? I'm just a role player. Maybe he doesn't take and make that shot. Maybe he doesn't have those moments against Cleveland where the Knicks desperately needed offense. And he was just torching Karis LeVert attacking the basket. Like that, that is like that, like, Hey, I'm that dude type of confidence. But also like at a certain point, like he has to recalibrate his game to fit in on this team long-term. And and that's kind of where I want to go next. I mean, do you see a scenario where, let's just say, if I told you in three to five years that the Knicks were a team that would make the NBA Finals, like, do you see a world where R.J. Barrett is the starting small forward on that team? Or, or do you just think it's inevitable that for the Knicks to ultimately reach where they want to go, obviously they have to upgrade on their current talent, but is that ultimately going to have to include R.J. going out just for this team to make sense? Will the Knicks ultimately have to trade R.J. Barrett to take that next step and be NBA Finals contenders? We'll get into that and much more with Schwinn in just a sec. But first, everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Unfortunately, as time goes on, as a a society, we were going to be dealing with more and more natural disasters. So it's best to be prepared. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication, delivery, and ongoing consultation and care so you don't have to get caught unprepared um, when, when, when the worst happens. Get $20 off on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using my code Locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. I mean, he's still pretty, I mean, he's, he's 23 now. Um, yeah. So he's still like at an age where I don't think, you know, if you want to put some type of ceiling on him, I get that. Like in terms of like, oh, he's not going to be a perennial all-star or whatever it is. Like, I think that's fair. Um, and like, I'm somebody that, thought he would be once upon a time and like now i kind of look at it and i'm like look if he is not a perennial all-star but if he's just like a good solid two-way wing and can play his role at a high level then i'm fine with that i don't think we need do, to do you think star. he's willing to do that i guess is my big question is that, yeah, that that's I, what i don't know and maybe it will take a few years yeah it's it's really tough to say um like just to go back to it for one second like so in the minutes he played with josh hart last year in the playoffs played 213 minutes together rj barrett had a 52.8 true shooting 27 on 27.4 usage funny enough his efg was much higher uh it was at 50 uh with Hart than it was without him and the team was in their minutes together pretty disastrous they had a 106.4 offensive rating and a 115.9 defensive rating so minus nine and a half net negative and without josh hart on the floor he had a 57.6 true shooting on 26.2 usage, uh, just a 48.6 CFG. That's probably kind of indicative of like he's getting to the line more. Yeah. Um, and that's boosting his true shooting within when Josh Hart is on the floor. Whereas when Josh Hart's on the floor, he's taking a lot more like perimeter catch and shoot shots because he has to. Um, and the team was again, this is the part that's always confusing me since like the offense still wasn't good. It's 107.5 offensive rating, but defensively they're 102.5. So like plus five net rating. So I don't know. Like it's, it's a very weird thing um, to go back to what you were asking me yourself. Um, yeah. Like I, I don't know if he can recalibrate his game. I like, there are times where, I mean, I, at times in the playoffs, you felt like, okay, like this is exactly 
what you want him to be doing. And then there are other times where you're like, man, you're really forcing it. And I, you know, kind of to his credit, like I almost, it's so weird because he deserves credit for like the fact that he can do what he does in the regular season, in the playoffs, like whatever, like the fact that he has that ability to just like, I can get downhill into the paint and like make, you know, collapse defenses consistently, no matter what part of the season we're in, who we're playing and what the coverage is or whatever, like that is valuable. Like that is valuable in and of itself. And and I think it's a reason why he is like, he is a, such a steady guy, like his demeanor and how he carries himself. But then you also have to think about it and be like, in some ways, because of how steady he is and how he almost feels like, it doesn't really ever feel like a moment is too big for him. Yeah. I'm almost like, well, then is the playoffs, like, should we, should we like, it's, it's almost like if he, if everything is kind of the same for him in terms of how he approaches it, then I, I think that maybe we shouldn't go too crazy and like assume that the playoffs was a sign of like, Oh, well, he's taking a leap right now. Like I'm not there yet. I would like to see it in the regular season this year. Like I, I know, like I've, there's been this very weird thing going on with like, Knicks fans, where it feels as if now every conversation is just about what happened in the playoffs. And I get that. Like, they are very important. They are the most important part of the season. I understand that. But it's kind of weird to, like, just judge everything based on that and then ignore the, like, entire 82-game regular season that occurred before that. And I just – I'm just very apprehensive about that because we've seen players in NBA history, like – have good playoffs and it doesn't actually translate to mean anything down the line. Do I think that applies to RJ Barrett? I don't know. Like, I really don't. I, I, again, like I'm me and Pres have talked about this a bunch. Like I'm pretty confident that last year will end up being like the worst season of his career. I'm not even counting his rookie season. Cause that just is a different thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that will be like the low point of his career. So to put it, and I'm pretty confident he's going to have a better, much better season this year. So I'm not really worried about that. I'm just worried. I'm not even going to say I'm worried. I'm just like, I don't know what that means. Does it mean that he establishes himself as a player that the Knicks are now like, well, you know, now if we want to upgrade in this guy, we have to get a top 10, top seven, top eight guy or something. Or is it still a scenario where you could reasonably look at it and be like, well, if we even just get like, I mean, we can just name a guy that they were connected to this offseason. They read, even if we just get Zach Levine, that would be an upgrade. Like, I think Zach Levine's a good player, but I don't think yeah. he's anything. He's not like, you know, to me, he's not a top 20, 25 guy, really. Mm-hmm. So it, it's that's kind of the question for me is it's like, will he establish himself to the level where we're not even thinking about, well, if we want to upgrade, we'd have to go get a guy like Zach Levine. And it'd be more like, well, we would need to get, you know, whatever, pick a fucking two guard. That's awesome. Yeah. And, or wing or whatever you want to put it, but like, like we had to get Anthony Edwards, right? Like, Oh, that, that would be an upgrade. Like it's, it's very hard to say. So um, I'm excited to see how he, how he does this season though. Like I'm, again, I'm encouraged by what I saw in the playoffs cautiously, but I'm also like the cautious part of it is I just need to see it in the regular season. I need to see it from the, from, from the, from day one. And it's, it's again, it's like, forget even, I mean, shooting efficiency matters, but it's like so much of it to me is, the shooting efficiency at times for him, you know, be it EFG, true shooting, whatever metric you want to use, it, it so often boils down to his decision making. Like that's that that kind of shifts his, you know, plus efficiency, net lower efficiency, whatever. And so for me, it's like, well, can you just be a more consistent decision maker? Because I kind of like, you know, 
it sounds crazy because he's so young because but some of the stuff were you know can he be a bit like a, a pull-up threat can he be a mid-range scorer and i'm kind of almost on the point where i'm like i don't really know about that and maybe that's yeah. not the path for him to be a, a a really good scorer and he doesn't need to be like i don't know how much of a pull-up three-point threat he needs to be to be a good offensive player i don't know that taking a bunch of mid-range shots because he can do it now or something would matter i think it matters more like hey you get to the rim like this is the really the, ba- the basics of it his game right now consists of catch and shoot threes and getting to the rim can you just be better at those things? Like yeah. his efficiency at the rim jumped last year and he was still very, very poor for, for a wing. So yeah. like he just need if he just gets to average at the rim, if he just gets to average from three, now all of a sudden you're talking about a guy who's probably going to be like a 56, 57 true shooting and like plays a ton of minutes and is super durable and that has value. So like it, it's just be better at the things that you already do. And, and I think that would go a long way for him. All right, guys, to wrap up the show, what are fair expectations for R.J. Barrett this season? What are, what are the lineups, the situations that will most amplify his value for the New York Knicks? Um, but first, I want to remind you to snap into action this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets whether you win or lose an incredible deal. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action because the app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. I, I've already told you I'm harping on that Knicks over-under now up to 45 and a half. I, I think it might even go up another one before the start of the regular season. So I would put some money down right now because that feels about as sure of a lock as can be. I was going through because I wanted to mix it up a little bit. The Boston Celtics, who the Knicks uh, played the other night, are playing in the first regular season. They're over under 54 and a half wins. I kind of think post-Drew Holiday, that is a 61 team. I think they're going to be absolutely dominant as much as it pains me to say it this regular season. So you can throw some money down there by visiting FanDuel.com slash locked on and you're kicking off the NFL and NBA seasons. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Yeah, I, I think it, I mean, much like it was the second half of last year, it'll be big for him the minutes he gets with the bench. And, and I think that should amplify his efficiency and the fact that you're replacing Obi Toppin with Dante DiVincenzo, how spread the floor is going to be. And, and look, I've, I want this year to see some versions of that lineup with Grimes in there because I just think the potential for the ball handling, defensive versatility, um, shooting is, is really, really enticing. But that lineup, like if it lacks anything, um, and, and this is maybe somewhat down to Emmanuel Quickly's ability to apply more rim pressure and, and, and be a little bit more aggressive getting to the rim volume. But RJ fills that role so nicely as kind of the fulcrum of that second unit. And then for him, I mean, this is this is kind of like the big thesis of everything we're saying, but it, it's the ability to have, um, I, I guess, just self-awareness a, a lot of the time. And that's an underrated skill for almost everyone in the league. And, and, and to say, all right, with the starters, to your point, like I am like maybe I'm a catch and shoot three point guy. Maybe I'm a pump and go attacker. Like I like I am I'm creating off of what Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle do. And then with the second unit, like he can be that guy. He can be sort of the center of attention. And I almost wonder at times, like, like, would the Knicks be better? And this is this is a total hypothetical because Tibbs is never going to do this. But would the Knicks be better off if they started Emmanuel quickly? And Emmanuel quickly kind of got the minutes that have largely and maybe less so the second half of last year kind of been RJ's God given right. And you're looking at a starting lineup that's pretty small at that point. But I I think one that based on everything we've seen from a net rating perspective, where where all the numbers scream like. The Knicks, at least in the regular season and, and in the playoffs, um, so small sample size there, were an elite team when Brunson and Quickly were on the floor together. 
and struggled disproportionately when RJ was on the floor, would they be better if they leaned to that more? And I know there's never that starting lineup change is not going to happen, but like, could the Knicks be better off if RJ like played almost every single second with the bench, which I know he did for like a good proportion of those minutes last year. And, and you had Emmanuel quickly and whether it's Josh Hart or for my money, I'd have Quentin Grimes out there closing games. And, and I think it'll just like, if RJ in terms of his mindset, isn't going to shift, I wonder how changing the players around him can kind of push him in the right directions. Yeah. I mean, I think um, one of the things that, I haven't, I, to be honest, I haven't really like banged this drum a ton, yeah. but I do think like a lot of people have is, you know, we never play RJ in like a small ball four thing and whatever. And like, guess what? This year he's going to, that's going to happen. Like it, it will happen at some point. It'll probably happen every single game. And, um, and I think like it is valuable to, if you're going to kind of stick with Tibbs as your coach, who we know has, good and bad things but one of the things that however you feel about it is that he plays a certain way his rotations are kind of rigid how he views lineups are kind of rigid so forcing him into a scenario where it's like no you're gonna have to play small like you're gonna have to play small for the 13 minutes night that julius randall doesn't play and you just have to deal with it i think that's one it's good in terms of like if you can't make a big swing move for your roster then you have to find other ways that to potentially move the baseline. Do I think this was entirely down to them? No, obviously we know that Obi wanted out. And so that kind of forced their hand. And, you know, obviously also like, Hey, look, let's be real. His value was not going to ever improve playing the way, like playing the role he was playing here. So yeah. that forced their hand to an extent, but I think their pivot was smart because I, I mean, look, you I mean, we and you just talked about this before we came on, but like, you know, the Knicks kind of had a boring off season, but if you really go back and look at it, at the time we signed Dante DiVincenzo, there was immediately like a shit ton of the beat writers were like, oh, who are the Knicks going to get to play the backup for? What's going to happen? Is there a big trade that's going to be made? And like, there was all this stuff. And honestly, I, I'm pretty sure I tweeted at the time. I was like, I honestly think they might just do this. Like they just keep it and play small and I'm fine with that. And obviously that's how it worked out. So like, I, I do think this is a conscious choice they have made to some extent after kicking the tires on other things, like, again, we know they talked about, like, they at least discussed Zach Levine with the Bulls. We know they at least discussed Paul George with the Clippers. So there was some kicking the tires on a more significant move. But obviously this is where they settled on. And I'm, I'm, I think it's important to, like, try to, again, move the needle in some ways. And looking at lineups that are smaller, that maybe have more speed, that can spread the floor more, not only are good for the team, but I also think are good specifically for R.J. Barrett. Like, theoretically the spacing of those units um, should be better and they should play faster. And um, that should allow him more opportunities on the ball. As far as like, would I start quickly over RJ? Um, you know, it's, I think it's just how you want to really view it. Like, do yeah. I think the team would be better if they did that? May Yeah, probably. I think they'd probably be a better regular season team. Do I think that, it's actually the best thing for Emmanuel quickly as far as like kind of pushing him in his individual development and really allowing him to test his boundaries. I don't think so because I think when he plays the starters, um, even if you look at the numbers when RJ didn't play and, and quickly did like his usage drops a ton when he plays with the starters, he just does not play the same role. And I, it's a credit to him that he can do that and it works. But I also think like, yes, I know the playoffs suck for him and blah, blah, blah. But the things we saw him do in the regular season um, 
were very, very, I mean, to be quite like special in some ways. Um, and, and I think you don't get that from him if he's doing it, if he's playing with the starters almost exclusively. So I'm fine with him coming off the bench at the same, like to me, it just says more about kind of, again, like this is when you swap in quickly for RJ, or you swap in Grimes for RJ, you swap in Hart for RJ and you keep the rest of that lineup the same. The numbers speak for themselves. So this is just a matter of like, RJ Barrett has to be better in the role that he is being asked to play. Like, and I think he can, like we saw it his second year, like he played yeah. like a, a role similar to that and he was really good. And he was, you know, he was a consistent two way player that, you know, I know his overall efficiency wasn't great, but the fact that he was hitting the three threes at the level he was, and then his defense was just so much better than what it's been the last couple of years. Yeah. I feel like he's incrementally, um, kind of gotten worse on that end. And that's why the, the playoffs were simultaneously encouraging. And also like, what the f- are you doing this entire season? Um, sorry about that. You're going to have to mark that one down. No, and- that, was, that was a deserved one. You, that was, that was worth <laughs> Cause I, I felt the same way. And you look at like, I, I was literally just, just pulling this up um, before we got started. I got to find it again here. See his steal rate in the regular season was here. I, I could let you guess it, but I, I think, you I mean, I, I know there, he, he had was, a career it was, low. It was 1.4. It was 0.5, which was uh, at his position, first percentile. And that is not the best. That is the worst yeah. percentile. And then the playoffs, again, small sample size, but it, it doubled um, in terms of steal percentage. It went up to 52nd percentile. And you're saying, like, all right, like, obviously he is not a monster explosive athlete, but he does have decent instincts. He has super strong hands. Like, he should be able to get a couple of steals. But to me, that, that screams activity more than anything else, right? Because he should not be last in the NBA in that capacity, given his athleticism, given his strength. And, like, that is maybe the most mystifying thing to me. Like, especially if you're going to soak up possessions offensively and take some bad shots, you better be making up for that on the defensive end. And and, and that's where I always get bogged down with RJ and people who are really big fans of him and say he's still young and like there's time for him to learn and, and, and time for him to get better. Like, I agree with all that, but that's what's mystifying to me, Schwinn, like how he got so much worse defensively the last two years. And if he's just better on that end and to your point, two or three times a game where he's going to take a tough shot, passes the ball out, like, it's I, I know we, we're, we're going in circles here and saying the same thing over and over again, but it's that simple for him being just a dramatically better player for the Knicks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I think that's really what it is. It's like, you know, the thing with defense is it can be there always. Like, it yeah. can always be there. Your, your defense is – should be theoretically more consistent than your offense. And um, for him last year, it was consistent just in a really poor way. And, you know uh, – do I, I mean, again, me, I've talked about this with the president on our show. Like, I think to some extent he's in a tough position in the sense that because Tibbs won't switch much with Brunson in the lineup. And quite frankly, because Randall totally mailed it in on defense last year, like it definitely makes him look worse as well because he's kind of like, he has to play at a higher level to make up for that stuff. And he, he just didn't. So like he's probably not he's not as bad as he looked at times on defense last year. I think that lineup in a lot of ways exacerbated some of his shortcomings, but he wasn't good and he needs to be better. So like I understand that it would be it would help him a lot if they switched more and maybe Tibbs will do that more this year, but like you still have to be able like you still we've seen him fight over screens. So this is the same scheme they played in 2020-2021 when he was a really good defender, or at least a really solid defender, if nothing else. 
And so we know he can do it. Like he can do it. He just has to. And um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, will he, won't he, it doesn't really matter what I think. It just matters what he does. Yeah. And uh, again, I'm optimistic that he'll have a good season. And I'm optimistic that he'll definitely have a better season than he did last year. So like, those are all good things for me. But you know, when you ask, will he inevitably get traded or not? Like if you put a gun to my head and you ask me, I would probably say yes, but I'd probably say yes about a lot of guys in this team. Like just because one, it, this is not unique to the Knicks, by the way. This is like the NBA. Most yeah. most players are not going to play for one team their entire career. Most players will probably get traded at least once. I mean, Often, Mitch is the only Nick who's been here for four years, right? Or, or him and RJ, I guess. Now, yeah. But no, Mitch has been here five years now. Five yeah. a year, or at least four. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, RJ and Randall have both been here for. Yeah. Um, like this is the most continuity the Knicks have had in a long time, but. At the end of the day, like, like for like the Knicks want Joel Embiid, right? If the Knicks want Joel Embiid, guess what? Mitchell Robinson won't be a Nick. Mm. Like, that's the reality of the situation. Mitchell Robinson will not be a Nick if Joel Embiid ever becomes a Nick. And like, the odds are like RJ Barrett will get traded. I know quickly they traded him. Mitchell Robinson will get traded. I'm not saying all in a trade for Joel Embiid, but sure. at some point in their career, the odds are that they will get traded. Like, the odds are Julius Randle will get traded at some point, maybe. Like, it, it just. Julius Randle already has played for three teams. Like, you know, like I, I know that he seems like he's been a Nick forever, but he's played for the Lakers. Like he's played as long for the Knicks as he played for the Lakers. You know, uh, he played for the Pelicans. So like Brunson's already been on another team, right? Brunson literally be acquired him in free agency last year. So when you just look at it, I mean, forget these guys, LeBron James has played for how many teams? Three teams, right? Like if LeBron James has not finished his career on one team, like odds are anybody you ask, We'll, we'll not do that. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens, but like, would I love it if RJ put it together? And, you know, I mean, I, I think there's a case to be made that if RJ just has, again, if he's not forget all-star, like let's say everything is relatively consistent from last year, but RJ just plays at a higher level. I mean, there's not, there's no reason to think the Knicks can't be like, at least in the mix. I know that Boston and Milwaukee have stolen the headlines look they did this past couple of weeks, but like, the Knicks were really good last year, and you could say in a lot of ways, uh, RJ kind of hurt them on the floor more than he held. And and even then, once they acquired Josh Hart, I mean, if you take out the last two games of the regular season when they basically just played skeleton squads because it didn't matter, yeah. uh, they were they were on a sixty win pace with that with Josh yeah. Hart, and that's with RJ not playing like very very well. Mm. And so if RJ just plays well, who's to say what this team could be? I don't know. Like I think they could be really good championship contender whatever i don't know um obviously like ultimately we'd have to wait for the playoffs to come around we need guys like julius randall and, and quick and and even grimes right like to shoot better from the field than they did um and so like we can't say any of that for sure but i i do think this team i i think this team is better than people are giving it credit for outside of like knicks fans and i certainly think that if rj plays well this team is you know i think they could actually make some noise I think it's it's something. I mean, you you've taken the words right out of my mouth. Like what we've been discussing over and over again on this podcast, where the Vegas over or under maybe it's gone up, but last I looked, it was forty four and a half. Yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I kind of sit there confused. But you, like I keep reciting that Josh Hart stat. Like even with those two games in there, fifty seven win pace when he was on the team. And then you look at the age of everyone. Like why wouldn't Emmanuel quickly be a better player this year? Why wouldn't Quinn Grimes be a better player this year? It's hard to imagine that. Dante DiVincenzo won't be an upgrade over Obi Toppin. And there's that concern there. Like, what if Julius Randle gets hurt? That, that could potentially be a big issue. But RJ Barrett, to your point, like, I don't think, and like, it's not even that, like, 
well, there were stretches where he was terrible last year. And, and like the season as a whole, like he still put up almost 20 points per game efficiency. Be damned that that's something right. Um, and, yeah, and, he, I mean, and he had good stretches. Like he was really good in December. Yeah. He was really, really good in December. And great stretches. It was, yeah. And, and so like, we know that he's capable of it. It's yeah. Can, can you do it for, yeah. Can you do it for six months instead of a month yeah. or a month and here I, and there? And so, yeah. I, I do think the FIBA thing is, is, is encouraging. Like to me, he looked athletically in a really good play. I know Prez was pointing this out. Like he was getting higher on like some of like, like the half court dunks that just were, were layups at times, like especially at the beginning of the season last year for the Knicks. It's finishing around the rim. Looked a little bit better. I mean, that was one of the things in the playoffs. His efficiency at the rim went down. His rim volume went way up and he looked really explosive. So all those things are encouraging. I'm super excited for the start of the regular season. Is there one thing we haven't mentioned yet before I let you go that you're just you're just really excited to see, um, whether it's in the preseason or, or just like the first couple of games of the regular season? Um, I think mostly just seeing kind of like how they handle the non-Randall minutes. Obviously, we have some idea that it'll be like RJ and Hart kind of doing a, a kind of like work share at the backup four minutes. But I am curious to see that. And, you know, look, as far as you said, players that can improve, like think a guy that I don't want to say people are sleeping on him, but like a guy that I think we should expect more from this year. And we already got kind of a, of a sustained glimpse at it last season is Isaiah Hartenstein. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that they can get more out of. We know that he's a really good passer. Tibbs did not uh, use that as much as, you know, a lot of people, myself included, would have liked to see, but it's his second year here now. Uh, he's still like he's the same age as Mitch. You know, he's a young player, yeah. and so this is, I think, he's a guy to keep an eye on because we know the skill set he has as a as a playmaker, and you know, as good a cutter and and stuff as Obi was. The fact that the role that he was being asked to play, where he's playing obviously spacing the floor quite often. DiVincenzo is a better fit. And I do wonder if like Hartenstein is a guy that can kind of, if that works better for, for Hartenstein and he can get more and we can get more out of him as a playmaker because of that, uh, than we did last season. But yeah, he's, he's a guy I'm definitely interested to watch this season. I, I thought he was, I, I think it was under discussed, like how, like when we talk about the Knicks playing at that 57 win pace post Josh Hart, that was a lot of Josh Hart and how well he shot and, and all the little things he did. It was a lot of Isaiah Hartenstein, like one, like, becoming kind of Mitch light as an offensive rebounder. And just, I mean, and, and you can take it all the way into the playoffs, like how aggressive he was around the rim. And it, it just felt like someone like almost like he was a computer and he got like a new, new chip in. Like he just became a different and more aggressive player down the stretch. And they started taking advantage of his passing chops, at least a little bit more. And like an RJ is one thing we didn't mention, but he was a big beneficiary of that. And RJ like in those bench units did a really nice job cutting off him. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm super excited for him, but it was when, Thank you so much for your time. Um, before I let you go, can you tell everyone where they can find Pod Strickland and all, all the great work you do over there? Yeah, uh, you can uh, find us obviously over at the Strickland, um, and uh, you can give us a follow. It's a Strickland Podcast Network. We have all kinds of stuff on there. We have Pod Strickland. We have the mailbags. We have uh, we have a new NFL show. If you're into that, so check that out. And um, yeah, aside from that, you know, you can give me a follow on Twitter at Schwinnipoo if you want. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's about it. I think. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I reference the pod a lot on here and I always say, I think, I think it's the single smartest Knicks pod out there. Like you will learn a lot about basketball and it's uh, extremely entertaining as well. So it's, it's a great Appreciate it, man. All right, yeah. Um, thanks for coming on and uh, we will talk to you all soon on Locked on Knicks. More coverage of the preseason, more player previews coming up um, right here on Locked on Knicks.